Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to a Thursday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. I've got a packed show today. Scotty Billick from the Winnipeg Sun is going to jump on with us. We'll welcome in our pal Brandon Rowicki from Skates and Plates. And before the Bombers head out to Calgary later on today, we will head to Cowtown. My guy, Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. We're actually kicking around on the uh, hockey topics with both the Jets and the Flames. Having some big questions coming into the season. And then talk some Bomber stamps as well. And we'll also... Take a trip out to the ballpark and get ready for the final homestand of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes regular season next week with general manager Andrew Collier. Should be a good one. Big news on the Bombers lineup and starting quarterback for tomorrow night's game in Calgary. We'll get to that in just a moment. Um, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, new lock shop just dropped. Subscribe to Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And uh, we've got a new partner, Parlay, that includes tonight's Elks-Hamilton game, which we'll talk about a little later on. Of course, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports and Boston Pizza, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, and Nick and & Nicky DQ, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barber Shop. Let's uh, get Michael Rivas in here to get things going. What's going on? Feeling good, Huss. I'm ready for this bomber game. I thought it was, I'm so used to Thursday games. All week I'm like, oh, Thursday, Thursday. But it's actually, it's actually tomorrow. And we'll do have a Elks Hamilton tie cats tonight. So uh, I actually am interested to see how the Elks perform oh. after last week's game where they played so well for uh, a quarter or two quarters. I am, I am. Listen, I mean, anyone that's paid attention to this show this week, and obviously they fired Victor Kui, and the Bombers beat them in ridiculous fashion last week, coming back from 22 nothing. But, I mean, outside of the Bombers, who we would be watching week in and week out and following um, daily anyways, I can't get enough of the Edmonton Elks stories. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> sort of pushing for the perfect season. Every loss gets them closer to more history, although they've really made the history that we thought was maybe possible at the beginning of the season with the continued home losing streak. But this game tonight is actually quite interesting considering Hamilton has been decimated at quarterback. Hasn't looked very good, although somehow won three games. I, listen, I, I'm, I'll get ahead of it before you even get to the lock shop. But Dusty and I both think that this will be a close game tonight. I'm taking the five and a half points with Edmonton and I will definitely be tuning into the game. But we'll talk about that a little later on. We can kick those around as well as the other latest lines. Speaking of lines, the line of the Bomber game has dropped to four and a half. It opened at seven because Zach Caleros will not be starting for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That was the big news today, Reem, as the Bombers dropped their depth chart for tomorrow night's game. And Drew Brown gets the start after his heroics last week in Edmonton. Did it in Northern Alberta, now... The challenge will be to do it in Southern Alberta tomorrow night against the Calgary Stampeders. Drew Brown getting the start and otherwise not much change to the Bomber roster. But there's not much of a bigger change that you can have that taking out the starting quarterback. I can't say that I'm surprised, though, especially when we heard yesterday from Mike O'Shea 
post-closed practice that once again, Zach Caleros didn't participate. They've been quite coy with his condition. They've said it's a neck injury. Um, and listen, if he's banged up, he's the franchise. Don't put him out there. I'll tell you what, I think I and a lot of people, certainly a lot of people in the chat over the last week, pretty high on Drew Brown. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do tomorrow night as the Bombers look to get to 8-2 and two and keep pace with the British Columbia Lions, who we expect to go into Saskatchewan and get to 8-2 and two themselves. Yeah, I heard you were so high on Drew Brown. You wanted to change your name from Andrew Patterson to Drew Patterson. Spelled D-R-U. <laughs> uh, that's, how, that's how much faith you have in Drew Brown. You were willing to go with a name change and adopting the D-R-U. Um, yeah, no other um, depth chart changes. And when you heard Claris wasn't practicing yesterday, you're like, you're like okay, yeah, Drew Brown's probably going to start. Unless like something, something you know, last second. But it became official today. Number six under center, Drew Brown. We saw what he did last week. We've seen him at the end of last season and, you know, the beginning of last season as well when he came in when Zach got hurt. And he's been pretty good. Um, you know, he's got great weapons in you know, Bailey, Dembski, Schoen, Lawler. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring tomorrow. And I guess now that it's official, you know, the line moved down, but the Bombers still a road favorite with, you know, the second, you know, with Drew Brown at quarterback and Prukops, the backup, and Calaris is on the depth chart at the third quarterback. And you have to wonder, like, if there was an emergency, you know, let's say, the first two guys go down. Are they going to go to Zach? Like the fact that he's on actually on the depth chart and not, you know, on the injured and not playing means maybe, you know, this is more precautionary than we think. And like, if it was a playoff game, you know, Zach would be able to go. They listed him as, as neck, which we mentioned earlier, earlier in the week, not head like drew Walatarski was, uh, was head. And he was practicing that he missed, you know, had to leave last game. And he is, you know, he's good to go, too, uh, on the depth chart there. So um, interesting stuff with the Bombers uh, depth chart coming out today. Well, and and, and, and let's face it. Um, no, listen, I did think that it was absolutely insane for anyone to suggest that, you know, after the one performance against Edmonton, and listen, what he'd done in his limited time uh, actually in, in live game action, including that big comeback win leading the Bombers to a win in week one of last season, that it was absolutely insane to start talking about, you know, any sort of competition for Zach Caleros, the back-to-back MOP in the Canadian Football League. And to be honest, I still stand by that. That inevitably happens when a backup quarterback plays well. And, you know, for the last three decades, we've always talked about the most popular, most popular players in Winnipeg have been the Bombers' backup quarterback and the backup goalie, well, until Connor Hellebuck got to town. But this is a huge opportunity for Drew Brown. I mean, certainly to get his team a win. And I mean, I think at times for a backup quarterback, you feel like, you know, you're out there doing everything in practice and you don't really get a chance to help the team when it really matters. Drew's certainly going to get that chance. But Remus, when you consider what he did last year in limited playing time, the performance that he put on coming in in a 22-point hole last week... If Drew Brown can ball out, acquit himself well, lead the Bombers to a win in Calgary, um, the only thing he's going to be doing is making himself money for next year because we know that this is a league that relies on quarterback play 
the Bombers have the best one in the Canadian Football League, but they also might have another guy that's pushing top five when you look at the performances around the rest of the league. So for his career, for his pocketbook, for what might be awaiting Drew Brown in free agency next year, this is a big, big chance for the young man to go and show that he is the real deal. And uh, listen, he couldn't be in a much better situation playing with the incredible receiving core that this Bomber team has with everybody healthy, including Kenny Lawler, who has been just phenomenal since he rejoined the team after being on the suspended list for the first third of the season. Yeah, just going over some of Drew Brown's stats. Uh, you remember, what, game one of last season, June 10, three for three, 51 yards in the 1917 win over Ottawa. And then, what, he got the start against NBC on October 15th, 28 of 39 for 325 yards. And then last week... Did in they win that Edmund- game? Sorry? Did they win that game? No, they didn't. They lost 40 to 32, but... Last time I checked, Drew Brown doesn't play defense, so I don't no, know. No, if- and that was a wild game. There were a couple things that happened. Um, but yes, bottom line is, as far I mean, it wasn't like they didn't get any offense going. I mean, they did put up 30-plus, which mm-hmm. will win you more often than not in the, in the CFL. Yeah, and last week, we all remember, coming in relief, still throwing for 300 yards, 17-24, uh, 3.07. So, look, whenever he's given, given the opportunity, he's impressed, uh, Came in in relief uh, in that shellacking against BC. Has threw for a touchdown, two for two, for 78 yards. Um, He's been good, and I think you'd expect him to be good again against a Calgary team that's been incredibly inconsistent this year. And we're going to talk with Pat Steinberg, get the view from Calgary. He did did remind us, or he will remind us, of Jake Mayer. Um, You know, remember that game last year where the Bombers had an interception in the end zone? to seal it. Um, you know, Calgary, you know, they up and down, but they do play the Bombers tough, and they had a much-needed win, not last week. Last week they got pumped by BC, but two two weeks ago, a much-needed win at home against Toronto, so they can bring it uh, when needed. Yeah, last well, week they, they won, won the- that OT game. I believe it was OT, or, or no, it was that thriller against the Riders where they gave up that late touchdown and then came back and got a field goal at the end to win 33-31. By the way, shout out and thank you to Curtis Perkins. What's up, Curtis? Just gifted 10 Winnipeg Sports Talk memberships to people in the chat. So uh, all of you that received a gifted membership, make sure to thank Curtis. Thank you very much for, uh, for doing that. The one thing that I'm a little nervous about this game tomorrow is and maybe this is just the last two decades of seeing Calgary being so consistently good. Um, they got humiliated last week by BC on the road. And so did Saskatchewan on the road in Montreal. I mean, what are we going to see from both of those teams? Because, I mean, neither of them have played well this season overall. Both of them have had a couple moments I think Saskatchewan's record is better than it really should be considering their two wins against the Elks were by the thinnest of margins. But, man, I mean, I have a hard time thinking that Calgary's not to, not going to be a hell of a lot better than they were against BC. And I think this is going to be a challenge for Winnipeg and for Drew Brown 
to go in and get that win. Bottom line is, as long as you're one point better, I know we often talk about point spreads and people like to bet uh, that number's at four and a half. But I think Calgary's going to be leaning on their defense. And certainly Jake Mayer's going to need to be... Uh, Jake Mayer has been good against Winnipeg in the past. That is the one thing that I think we need to know. But the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense is going to be uh, ready to go. And they will need to be ready for a strong running game. That is one thing that Calgary has that a lot of the other teams in the CFL don't. It'll be a little bit of a different... Well, we all remember how the game started last week with Kevin Brown going 65 yards untouched on the first play of the game. That run defense is going to need to be ready from the from the opening kickoff, unlike last week in uh, in Edmonton. Yeah, it's you know you're talking about Jake Mayer being inconsistent. They did play the Bombers earlier this year. He went 14 of 25, 122 yards, but he's had some good games this year. Ottawa, 450 yards on 28 of 38. Uh, he had 329 yards. It's really against Ottawa. 329 yards, 22 of 33. And you mentioned that game against Saskatchewan, 26 of 37 for 315. But I mean, against Toronto, 149, BC, 131, uh, Winnipeg, 122 against the premier teams in the league this year. Uh, he's really struggled passing. He actually has, in those three games against those three teams, zero touchdown passes. Um, so we'll see how it goes tonight. And I agree. Calgary's more of a ground team, whether it's Kadeem Carey, who's been hurt, or Mills, who's. A uh, very dynamic runner as well. Um, so they they look. They've had good games, and I saw someone in chat say, "Look, I don't wouldn't want to play a team after a humiliating loss like that." Because look, they you know they gave her against Toronto at home, and look, they went to BC. Now they're back home against the Bombers. You know they'll be ready ready tomorrow, and they'll also be honoring uh, a lot of stuff with what the 1998 Grey Cup team celebrating their 25th anniversary 25 years already seems like yesterday and i'm seeing what interviews with who alan pitts out there has a lot of great names too bad there's no uh cfl uh, cfl puck doku i always wonder if you could just use like <laughs> kevin glenn and ev- every time he would be kevin in every glenn. time kevin you glenn. could just use it actually that would be hilarious if you just did a cfl puck doku it had kevin glenn as the answer yeah, to every single uh, to every single box, <laughs> to every every single one. So, <clears throat> so yeah, they'll be so you know they'll be motivated with the former uh, with the nineteen eighty eight Grey Cup champs in the house. Uh, Steiner, by the way, um, shout out to you, Steiner in chat asking, what about Janarian Grant? No change on Janarian. He is not. I, they put him on the six game, uh, I believe. So he is off the roster right now. And it will be Greg McRae who gets uh, kick and punt return duties, at least to begin the game uh, in uh, in Calgary uh, in Calgary tomorrow. So uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it should be a real fun game. It's an eight o'clock start tonight. Um, actually, should give you should mention you missed it earlier this week. The Bombers have been doing some official watch parties for road games this year, and Friday night's game is going to be over at Hooters on St. Matthews. Uh, they're going to have some uh, great Coors Light specials all night. Uh, every quarter, I believe, touchdown, they're going to be giving away tickets, uh, well, prizes, swag, including some tickets, and I think some sideline passes. Um, so anyways, uh, join us out there. We're going to head down there, and that should be a heck of a lot of fun. Change it up a bit and watch the game out at uh, Hooters. So, yeah, 8 o'clock, I'd suggest getting there a little early as well because I know the Bombers have promoted this, so... Uh, should be a great turnout, but uh, would love to see some of you out there. And uh, hopefully everyone will be leaving 
after the game, pumped that the Bombers are up to 8-2 and two on the season. We'll get to that a little bit more with Scott Billick coming up in just a few minutes. Um, not a lot of hockey news right now, Reem, uh, and I should have sent this over to you, but uh, our pal Joe Piscucci just fired me a video from, of course, Joe's working there at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm not exactly sure what rank this was from, but did send me a video of Mark Shifley out there skating with a number of NHLers as they get ready for the upcoming season. And uh, he is wearing his Jets gear. It's a good sign. Um, and, I mean, again, what can you take from a little bit of practice tape? Not very much, but uh, certainly Mark's going in and, uh, you know, preparing for the season as he always does. Very professional when uh, it comes to that. Kyle Capabianco out in this skate as well. Oh, there's the video right now, so uh, you can't see it. Mark, uh, Mark there. And, you know, listen, God knows we spent enough time talking about Mark Shifley's um, status with one year left on his contract and the fact that he was prominently mentioned in a number of trade rumors, and frankly, still is, maybe less so here in Winnipeg and more so from out of the market considering what's happened in Boston. But, um, I mean, he'll be the center of attention amongst many when training camp gets here. But Reem, there really is a lot on the line for Mark this year um, when it comes to, uh, you know, the one final big contract that he'll be signing as an NHLer, presuming it's a long-term deal. And whether that's at some point this season, whether that's next year as an unrestricted free agent, you know, for a guy that has been so productive for his time here in Winnipeg, there still is a diminishing amount of the cap, I think, that's being dedicated to players over 30 years old. And I think there's a lot of things on the table for Mark. I mean, listen, has his reputation maybe taken a little bit of a hit over the last couple of years because of, you know, what's happened with the coaches here in Winnipeg and the way things ended last year? Sure. But I will say this, uh, a great start to the season, um, uh, outwardly a great attitude, um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of improvement when it comes to that 200-foot game. I don't think, and, and maybe some success for the hockey team as well. I mean, that is the, uh, that's the recipe for Mark Shifley to get what he wants, which presumably is a big money long-term deal at the end of this season. Yeah, I'm really fascinated what's going to happen with uh, Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck after this season. Uh, are they going to be signed? Are they going to be traded? And what type of contracts are they going to get? You know, you have two players uh, over, you know, 30 and above, one of them is a goalie, and you're just seeing the league go away from giving over 30 players long-term high-dollar contracts and going away from uh, giving goalies premium dollars. So what are they going to get? And, yeah, Mark Shifley, anytime you're in a UFA season um, or, you know, the year before UFA, it, it, there's a lot of pressure to perform. You want to make sure you have a, a good final year heading into uh, contract negotiations. And we'll see. And so there would be a pressure on him. And for the Jets... I mean, do they? What are they going to do? We've talked about this uh, endlessly. Are they going to resign these guys? Are they going to trade them to get uh, some assets? Are they going to ride it out and just try to put the foot on the gas and uh, get into the playoffs with them, and you know maybe try to resign them or you know lose them for nothing potentially uh, next season? So that is a big storyline that's going to be hanging you know over the Jets. Well, all all season, like imagine like day one training camp, like do either one of those guys had just have the biggest scrum? Around their locker, like who's <laughs> er, sure. early odds? All right, biggest scrum day one training camp. 
Hellebuck and Shafley? Does anyone or, a, has anyone beat them? It's a push. No, no, definitely not. Well, the bottom line is I think the Strums are going to be the same size because everyone that is there is going to be talking as much as they can to everybody. But if everyone was only able to choose one player that they could talk to, mm-hmm. the entire media would be split between Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. I can pretty much guarantee you that. Um, so listen, we'll get to that with Scott. And we're also going to get to a statement from Jonathan Taves, uh, which has just been put out. And, you know, We'll talk about this once we bring, uh, once we bring Scotty on in just a minute. Um, listen, just before we do that, uh, just about haircut time for yours truly. Got to head down to Modern Man Barbershop, but you know what? That's pretty easy because Modern Man now has eight conveniently located spots to get all their wares done for you in Winnipeg. Eight locations, including the newest ones on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. And uh, of course, Modern Man's got you covered, guys, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services and more great selection of men's products and hair care products so book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on instagram as well over at modern man barber shops uh, our friends at aquatech have had a busy busy summer and with august ticking down there's limited install dates to make your pool dreams a reality but uh, visit aquatech on store or in line uh, or online, excuse me, to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pools pool dreams a reality. And, of course, whole home renovations also start at Aquatech with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. It's all there at Aquatech. Pop by and see them in store or find out more information at aqua-tech.ca. Got another nice weekend coming up. Going to heat up on Friday. Whether you're in the city, whether you're doing a day trip, whether you're heading out to the lake, maybe going on holidays, you got to make sure you have your battery needs covered. And this isn't just, you know, a pack of uh, eight batteries that you're grabbing at Sev. You need a battery for your boat, your camper, your lawn tractor, uh, ATV, motorbike, you name it. Manitoba Battery has, has it. And you'll be shopping local and you'll get the best prices in town. Manitoba Battery beats the pants off the big box stores when it comes to battery prices in Winnipeg. And even better, they've got the best service in town. You don't need to waste your time finding a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line at a Canadian Tire when Manitoba Battery will deliver whatever you need for free anywhere inside the city of Winnipeg on any purchase over 60 bucks. It really is that simple. Go to manitobabattery.com for all your battery needs or give them a phone call and they'll deliver it wherever you're at. Or you can always pop down and see Donnie and his great staff at 1062, or 10, sorry, 1026 Logan Avenue. And I'll be honest, I haven't paid too much attention to updates in this Manitoba Liquor, uh, Liquor Mart strike, but I do know a lot of people have been having a difficult time getting their hands on Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club. Now, there'll be plenty of it at the game next Thursday when the Montreal Alouettes are in town at IG Field. And uh, in the meantime, if you're not able to get Canadian Club, why not try the CC and Ginger pre-mixed cocktails that have been so popular the last couple seasons at IG Field? The great thing about those is you can get those at your local beer vendor right now. Available in 473 milliliter cans and six packs, 
CC and Ginger's ready to go. The drink of the summer. Pick it up at your local beer store and a Manitoba Liquor Mart if you can find one open. All right, let's get Scott Billick in here. Billick, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, it's good. Big day. It's like a newsy day, even though it's not an, you know, it's a slow summer day with Claro sitting tomorrow, Jonathan Taves with a kind of a weird, it, it doesn't sound like he's retiring, but he is, you know, obviously not going to be coming back to, to Chicago, it seems. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I one. mean, let's just get to this statement right off the bat. I sort of saved it to, to bring you on. I don't sure. know if you want to throw it up there. Uh, but basically, it's a big thank you to the city of Chicago, um, you know, mentioning the Caps. I mean, here's the uh, one of the quotes, I mean, to Blackhawks fans. It was surreal to witness and be a part of the revival of hockey in Chicago. Nothing like the roar of the madhouse when we scored a big goal to tie it or win a game. As players, we tried to reciprocate the heart and soul energy we felt from you. I honestly believe it's what made us so tough to beat in the later games of a playoff series. Best fans in the world. Thankfully, we shared so many uh, moments together. Uh, to the Blackhawks organization, Rocky, Danny, and the Wirtz family, the coaches, GMs, athletic and equipment trainers, coaches. Uh, big thanks there. And then to his teammates as well. Last line. To all I say, all caps, thank you. You made my time here in Chicago unforgettable. Now, they sort of did this at the end of the season. I mean, the organization made a point of celebrating Taves at the end of the year, knowing that his contract was up and he wasn't going to be back. But how do you take this, Scott? It's been deathly quiet on Taves' situation basically throughout the uh, the entire summer. I mean, when you read this, do you get the indication that maybe this is a bit of a precursor, a secondary thank you, because he's about to put a jersey for the first time of another NHL team for the upcoming season? Yeah, it's it's either that or maybe he's taking this next season off too. Um, you know, I was looking at a couple posts on Twitter here, trying to trying to navigate to figure out who kind of kind of maybe know something about this. And there's a couple of reporters in Chicago uh, suggesting that, that, that he may not play this year, uh, might take this year off, get, you know, get better, better, um, get over whatever, you know, he's dealing with, get stronger and all that, and then come back for the 2024, 25 season. So it could be that, I mean, it also could be the other thing too. Like, you know, maybe he is planning on re-signing with the club today uh, or tomorrow or whatever. And this is just the, you know, you better do this first. I mean, imagine Jonathan Taves, whatever he signs, wherever he's signing, is dictating everything, right? I mean, you know, he's he's Jonathan Taves is going to have a statue in 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 Chicago. You know, right there with Michael Jordan one and and all that. Like, there's going to be a statue of him and probably Patrick Kane. Um, you know, at that place. So, so yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's 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 not like it's not a cryptic post. You know, by the by the the letter of uh, of the law in terms of what cryptic means, but it is a little weird because yeah, there, there's not one mention here about retiring. Um, and you know, you think if this guy was done after 16 years, he would have said it. And yeah. uh, and there's no and he, mention and next year at all. And there's like, and there's no mention next year either, right? So I, I don't know. I guess we're sort of on a holding pattern here, unless somebody in Chicago, one of the reporters there, or maybe one of the insiders, kind of sorts out, you know, what's going on. But this is the one thing with Taves. I don't think anybody knows until Jonathan Taves says, you know, what, what's really happening, right? So 
but yeah, I was looking at a couple posts. It, 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 there, I guess there's a potential. I guess like I, I don't I don't see it as I don't I don't imagine you would retire by putting out a statement thanking fans and then putting out a separate statement by retire. Why not just say you're retiring and then do the exact same thing? It just that's you know whoever's running his PR is probably not you know that's just not something that you would do by by string along a bunch of people right? So yeah, no, it is um, it is not a retirement it, announcement. No, I mean, no, it's I, quite clear. I, yeah, well, it's, all it is, is is really a thank you to everyone in Chicago because he's right. not playing yeah, this year. I thought that already happened. Chicago. I thought so too, but maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is his way. Like, did he ever post anything? Like, this seems to be the thing with athletes these days, right? If they're leaving or they're going somewhere, yeah, get a nice little Instagram post and all that. Maybe it happened in the fans, but this is the way of Jonathan Taves, yeah. not a guy to usually talk yeah. a lot and and say that, right? And nothing and, you know, counts until it's on Instagram or <laughs> X <laughs> <laughs> or X. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm, you know, but we're just, you know, this has been out for about an hour now, and. I remember looking at it, I was like, I, and I read it. I'm like, okay, well, he's retiring, right? The first thing I thought is Jonathan Davis is retiring. Makes sense. It's been a rough couple of years. He's obviously had, uh, I believe it's long COVID issues that he's had and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and he hasn't really played that whole that much either. And so, you know, guy who's, you know, as much mileage as he has on the, on the odometer, I mean, maybe, it's, but it doesn't look like, I, I think Jonathan Davis still wants to play hockey. I just, I don't know if he knows where yet or if he knows if he can even play next season. Well, I, I'm, you know, the one it. thing I'll say is I, I'm I'm not 100% sure that he knows he wants to or is going to play. No. Yeah. But I think he certainly knows that he's not ready to officially say that he's retired sure. and he's not playing anymore. Like sure. Brass Bonanza, uh, and, I, and I was going to say this, but I'll give him a shout out in uh, in chat. Taves to the Bruins, that is something that we've heard. And I mean, it would make a lot of sense. If Taves is looking to go to a team that is still somewhat contending, that he can go in and play an important role with very, very good players, that yep. is a spot. I mean, this is a guy, you know, and I mean, listen, it would be perfect for Boston too. You yep. know, as they try to sort of, you know, maintain their level within the Eastern Conference as a true Stanley Cup contender, having lost Bergeron and having lost Krejci, even at 35 years old, I think Taves is a player that can come in if he's healthy, and that's the huge if on this. Right. Um, you know, I think he'd be able to help you win some games and be a good contributor um, to uh, to the organization. Yeah, he'd be a great, in my mind, a great replacement for David Krejci there, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously Taves is the better player over the course of his career, but if you look at the way that, you know, Krejci played the last season, and that's why I think he'd be a perfect fit in that Krejci spot. He's obviously not going to replace Patrice Bergeron. Nobody is really in that town, but there's other options eventually for Boston there. And and one thing with Taves is I, I would imagine, I mean, he's not going to sign for a whole lot. Like if he wants to go to a team that's contending and wants to take a stab at a maybe a fourth Stanley Cup or whatever it is, I mean, you know, yeah. Jonathan Taves can afford to take that 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 lower ticket um, to get on into the situation that fits him best, right? So... You know, I mean, a really, I mean, an incredible career, 10,067 games. Oh, yeah. um, he, he did not play in the 2021 season. Mm -hmm. Came back in 21-22. I mean, for his standards, a very low year. I mean, he scored 12 goals. He had 37 points, which is about half of what he normally did. Right. Um, and then last year, had 31 points in 53 games. 
but then of course missed the better part of the last month, month and a half of the season. Now, listen, maybe they just said, hey, shut it down. If he's going through something, they weren't going anywhere. The only thing his presence in the lineup was maybe going to help them win an extra game or two. So if you're Kyle Davidson with your eyes on Connor Bedard, you know what, Johnny, you've done enough. Take the time (laughs) off. Um, And I mean, obviously there'll be people that will kind of connect the dots to, uh, to Winnipeg and, Listen, I'll say this. I'm I'm sure, I mean, this is just my complete speculation, but if there was an interest to play in his hometown, especially when you consider the center situation for the Winnipeg Jets, which could be somewhat similar to Boston, having lost Pierre-Luc Dubois and with the uncertain future of Mark Scheifele, uh, I'm sure there'd be an offer from Winnipeg. But I really do think that if, you know, at this point, Jonathan Taze, having played his entire career in Chicago, if he is going to be back, you're probably looking for a landing spot with one of the teams near the top of the hierarchy of the NHL right now. Not about the future, not about down the road. Where can I have a chance to contribute and win right now? And I mean, hey, as long as Connor Hellebuck and Scheifele are on this team, maybe you could make the argument that a Jonathan Taves you know, would be enough for the Winnipeg Jets to get in that mix. I don't think many people would agree with that, but... To me, yeah. it all depends on how healthy he is, what he can bring to the table. And at the end, this guy has absolutely nothing to prove. I mean, right. if he's playing, it's maybe he doesn't want to go out the way that he did on two miserably terrible teams in Chicago and yeah. finish up on a bit of a higher note than uh, what last year's drive to the draft lottery was in the Windy City. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with the Winnipeg, I, I don't think any of us really heard that he has any desire to come home and play for no. the Jets, right? I mean, never heard anything like that. So, you know, sometimes hear that with, you know, guys that are at the end of the career, yeah, I'll go home and play, you know, a couple of years. I think it was Spets. Spets did that, right? And Giroux did it in Ottawa. Giroux which was did a it in Ottawa. Surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that one, I think, just made sense for his family, right? I think Giroux's wife, I believe, is also from that area, something like that. But I, I, I think, um, I think the, one of the things that you just have to, I I think he goes the like the Corey Perry route or the Joe Thornton route or where these guys are signing one year deals or whatever with teams like even Paul Stasny right like think of Paul Stasny going to Carolina right like it, we we've seen a lot of players that this is sort of the thing that they do at the end of their careers these 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 high caliber stars that have won in other places and are just looking to you know maybe win that second Stanley Cup or that you know in Jonathan Taves's uh, in his situation, obviously, it was fourth Stanley Cup. But, you know, I I, I don't know why you would – there's just – why at, at 30, whatever, eight years old that, that he is, 35 He's only now, 35, actually. No, I get that. It seems that, like he's like, been why, here forever, but – why? Right, but why come to a pressure cooker like Winnipeg when you can go and, and you know, you can be – like, you don't have to be the star anymore. And maybe Jonathan Taves just doesn't need to be. He doesn't want to be. He's not going to be the captain wherever he goes – most likely, um, but you can still go and, and chase that Stanley Cup again if that's what you want to do. In you know, obviously in a lesser role or whatever. We obviously know his productions. I mean, the last time he played a a season, you know, I think where he wasn't you know dealing with the effects of 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 of, of his illness there, I, I think it was the 2019-20 season, right? I mean, before COVID, and that's um, he had 60 points that year, so he was almost a point per game player. Just looking up now, but you know, I, I think. Yeah, I think at this point, Jonathan Taves picks and chooses where he wants to go. 
picks and chooses the right situation. And maybe he sees Winnipeg as that. I just, I'm not sure, right? And I'm not sure if, if, if let's say, I mean, if, if you're looking at this team and you're looking, you know, okay, we're going to go youth. You know, if you're thinking about the, what the Jets are thinking right now and they want to move to this youth movement, then they got Perfetti and then they got Velarde that wants to play center and possibly Brad Lambert coming up and all these guys. I mean, it might be good. It, it's a great story if he came home, right? It's all that, those types of things. But well, I'm just not make sure them better. it's beneficial. Like, it just would, for this I, year. If they if they oh, want to be competitive, we've heard all this. I mean, he's not signing a three- or four-year deal. I think no, we know no, that. No. And here, the funny thing is, I think we can all say that money's probably not going to be the most important thing. As right. Jay Miller as Jay Miller points out in chat, Taves' best stat $115 million career earnings in the National yeah. Hockey League. So there will be no bake sales at any point yeah. to uh, make up for lost revenue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I see him going the same road as a lot of these other kind of former, you know, high caliber stars. Like I, mean, like I mentioned, Corey Perry earlier, obviously a Hart Trophy winner. Um, but when, and he's picking and choosing his spots. Spezza was doing that. The guys are just looking to, Looking to find places where they, they they fit, it's comfortable. The role is going to be something that suits them. Um, I think lack of pressure, you know, it, it, uh, appeals to some of these these guys. Like not lack complete lack of pressure, but just you know not not the not the star of the team type thing, right? Maybe a, just a lesser role. And you know, Jonathan Taves can do that. I think in a pinch, Jonathan Taves could still play first line center for your team. In a pinch, right? In, in an injury situation or whatever. But well, and the funny thing uh, yeah, about that I mean, is, is that yeah. when you think about Winnipeg, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, know. Winnipeg is one of the spots, especially depending on what happens with Shife, where, yeah. I mean, like an important role would be waiting for him. And listen, Boston as well. I mean, you look at their center, look mm-hmm. at their depth chart right now. I mean, there's just this massive hole and he would be that spot. But I will say this about Taves. There's a lot of guys that I think will want, oh, I'd love to be on a team and play sort of a secondary role. This guy's been a captain his entire career in the National Hockey League. He's a triple gold member. He's done it all. Part of me thinks, and again, this is just us having a fun conversation about this. Part of me thinks that if he does come back and he's healthy and has the confidence that he can be a very good player in the league, he goes to a spot where he's not going to be an afterthought player, you know, not going to be yep. one of those guys on the periphery of the lineup goes to a place where he can actually contribute. But to be honest, Scott, until we're having this conversation right now, I haven't really spent any time considering that because we haven't heard anything from him all summer long. We've heard absolutely no reporting that he's considering coming back or there's some teams that he's having talks with. Maybe if anything, this announcement today is in a in a in an interesting way is sort of he and his representations way of saying uh don't forget about 19 because right. i'm not going back to chicago and as you can read i'm not retiring and i yeah. might fit in well with your club so I, I have a feeling this is just the start of tave's scuttlebutt that really has been silent all summer long well that's it too right maybe this is the first start of like okay we're open for business now right like you know uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what exactly what this statement is, is that, you know, this is, I'm open for business. I'm willing to sign somewhere, start firing off, you know, let's, let's get the, you know, the auction going and then find out, you know, who's going to get that guy from that. What's that car show? 
Oh, man. The car auction, we'll get that guy going. Well, you can, you can make this a whole event, right, on TV, or is it one, one, two, and two, and whatever. I can't, I can't do the auction crap. I mean, that's that stuff. That's a special talent. But, no, but I, I think yeah, I mean, that, that could be part of the plan, right? Like, I mean, obviously somebody is going to be behind this, right? His agent, whoever, um, is going to be behind this. And, and you know, there, there's always an end goal with these things, right? You know, people don't just put out these t- sorts of statements willy-nilly. And this thing was written in a way that, uh, you know, I think might pique the interest of some teams. But, I, I, again, I think we still need to know if, if, if Jonathan Taves can play, you know? Like, I mean – you look at the end of last season or whatever, I mean, it was clear that he couldn't. And so, you know, what has changed in the last four months and and, and has that, you know, affected his ability? To, you know, because I think every team that wants to sign Jonathan Taves also wants to know that he can play potentially 82 games. I mean, that might not be the case. Obviously, he's a little older and all that stuff. He might do a little bit of load management or whatever. But, I mean, I think you need to know he's 100% healthy and whatever issues that he had been dealing with, because we know that they've been pretty, um, he's talked about him, I guess, a little bit, but we don't, you know, exactly the extent, and I don't think we ever really will until his, his career is over. But, you know, I think teams will know what the extent of those are, and, and if they're willing to kind of take a th- uh, you know a stab at it and take, you know, a risk, I don't think it's going to be a high-priced risk, but it could be, right? I mean, if this is a, a, a signal for teams to start, you know, like, you know, we can start talking about contracts and all that stuff. And maybe there is a bidding war because we know that some teams need, are going to need center. Some teams just covet centers. Some teams want a center that's won three Stanley Cups and it's been a catalyst of that. Not like he was a third or fourth line center on that team. No, this, he was the top center for all three of those Stanley Cups and one of the best, you know, oh. centers that the game's seen. So, Think about yeah, the intangibles. Yeah. Think about the intangibles. Oh, I mean, just for a team like yeah. Winnipeg, I mean, to have a guy like that be able to play, you know, in and around like a Cole Perfetti that's luring the ins and outs yeah. and playing center yeah. in the National Hockey League. Think about what he can do. Even if the points aren't there, what no. he can do defensively, his work in the faceoff circle. I mean, yeah. there's I, – I listen, I still think that there's – a lot of teams in the NHL, including the one here in Winnipeg, if it was even a remote possibility, it would certainly kick tires on that. And yep. I guess that'll be something that we'll follow over the course of the of the, of the next little while. Hey, quickly, just while we get on hockey, I want to ask you about the Bombers coming up. But um, yeah, tell us about your conversation with Brendan Dillon. That was a pretty, a pretty neat like uh, a do over well, for the wedding that he yeah. was robbed of back in yeah. COVID. Well, it's interesting. I saw a post on the internet, and I knew he, he, he was getting remarried because I talked to Brendan about it. Not remarried. I mean, this is the thing. How, what do you even call this, right? Like, he, he's getting married again, but he's already married. It's more. It was more ceremonial than than anything else, right? Because they they had already been married. Um, but I had talked to him at the end of the season a little bit about it, and kind of knew that this was coming. And so I, yeah, I, I um, you know, kind of waited. Some people had done it. He went on a. On, on, I guess it was a bit of a honeymoon, let's say, again, um, and, and that sort of thing, because, you know, that's the one thing that they didn't really get to do a whole lot. They got married literally, like, not far. Like, they walked out their front door, went to Stanley Park, got married that year. He joked about it, a minister and a mask, and it was just those them two, a minister wearing a mask, and that's how they got married in, in, in Stanley Park there in, in Vancouver. So this one was the one that they wanted. But one thing that Brendan and I talked about yesterday was how difficult it is to book places. And, and the one thing he was saying, like, you know, they got this place in Aspen, Colorado, beautiful place, ski resort, all that, like just a stunning, stunning place to, to get married. But 
he was saying like one of the hardest things is trying to find a, a venue right now because people are, and I, I wrote it in the story, but people are, are literally booking venues even before they're engaged, right? <clears throat> because although all this backlog and all this stuff with COVID and all that, so, but it was cool. I mean, I saw some of the photos from it. They, they had a child last year uh, in May, I believe. Uh, El, I believe her name is Elton. Uh, daughter was born. So, so you know, they've been married and, and, you know, had a child. And then this was their kind of chance to have, you know, a bunch of, you know, everybody, right? They had all, there were a lot of Washington Capitals at that uh at that uh, uh, at that wedding, and uh, yeah, just a you know a great family, I guess, event, and you know, finally a chance for them to kind of celebrate with friends and family um, that that you know about basically three years in the making, right? So yeah, uh, just an interesting little story out of off season because there hasn't been a lot, but uh, yeah, just kind of a cool little thing that that, that happened to, uh, to one of the chats. Check it out today in the uh, in the sun, and Irene was just uh, just threw it up. You can also check it out online. Um, the really the big story this week um, was the one that became official this morning. Drew yeah. Brown getting a start tomorrow in Calgary after that um, brilliant performance in relief of an injured Zach Caleros. First off, what are you hearing about Caleros? Just uh, where he's at, his level of health, um, and then just yeah. thoughts on uh, the challenge for Drew going uh, into tomorrow night. Yeah, I haven't heard a ton on. I mean, the Bombers are super tight-lipped on this one, obviously, but. I mean, the, the fact that he was out, like, I mean, obviously he, he didn't practice this week. He was out on the field just kind of working around. Whatever. So he had a pretty bad and significant neck injury. He isn't doing that, right? I mean, but I, I do think that they're, you know, just my take on it is they're being uber cautious, right? And, of course, you would. You're 7-2. and two, um, You know, you're going into a game against a Calgary team that's, you know, wishy-washy. And, 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 and the way that Drew Brown probably – I wouldn't be surprised if this was a playoff game that, that Zach Kolaros might play, right? And it, it might be one of those situations just where, you know, you can afford – and Drew Brown gave you confidence last week, right? I mean, you know, Kolaros didn't have a good first half or first whatever. Um, and, and obviously that, that, that pick six that put it, made it 22 nothing didn't, didn't help things. But Drew Brown came in and, and, and was incredible, right? I mean, I don't think – he changed the whole complexion of that game, and you, at, at one point, you're like, okay, the Bombers are just going to lose, and and and, and Edmonton is going to win their first game in, in in what three, four years, whatever it is, at home, and that sort of thing, and and end that streak. I think it's like twenty two and 0, or zero and twenty two now, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a what a week to kind of a coming out part. I heard you talking to Remus early on. It's like. For, for Drew Brown, how big is this, right? I mean, you're looking at a CFL landscape right now that, I mean, he might be, he's better than probably most, more, more, a couple of the starters for sure in this league, um, if not half of the starters in this league um, already. And, you know, if you're Drew Brown looking at next season and trying to figure it out, I mean, there's potential here to show up and and really put a statement and, and put your name out there and be like hey i mean i'm ready for for that number one spot so so there's certainly that um i also think it's going to be it's going to be a way different week than last week too i mean edmonton is what edmonton is now calgary has a full week to kind of scheme against it and and, and figure out you know basically make a game plan for what Drew Brown does. It's difficult because they of how game mobile plan better than they did against BC last week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. Calgary's not that great of a team, right? I mean, we, we, we can, 
I think we can, you know, make that, uh, we, we could say that very confidently. Um, but, but, but we know, you know, I, I get, we don't have much to look at it with Drew Brown. We, we go back, I mean, he's had a couple spot, you know, instances last season and, and then he play, he started that game in BC, but you know, he had the two pick sixes, which were, which were daggers, obviously like those were difficult. But the Bombers didn't play defense in that game, especially on special teams. I was looking back at that game, and I, and I remember – I can't remember. I think his, his name was Terry Williams, the returner there. He had like 350 return yards combined in that game. Um, you know, the Bombers were just never – they, they gave up field position so much in that game, um, and they still almost, you know, won it. They were they, It came right down to the wire that game. If I, if I, if I don't uh, – I think BC scored late, something like that. I'd have to look back at – um, at the highlights of that one, but it, I believe it, even though it was 40 to 32, I think it came right back down to the wire of that game, pretty close to it anyway. So, um, but you know, that, that's what we have, but now we've seen kind of Drew Brown in very much a pressure situation, right? I mean, I guess there wasn't a lot of pressure on him coming into that game. You're down 22, nothing, but he sparked a huge comeback in that game. Right. And then the defense kicked in and, and all that stuff. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what he does against a team that's probably spent all week preparing for Drew Brown, right? And I, I guess that's that's the next test for Drew Brown. It's like you know, teams always you know you, you can when it comes to Zach Claros, you can scheme everything all that you want against him. He's just that good that it doesn't matter what you do. You just kind of have to tip your cap to a guy like Claros. Drew Brown doesn't have that reputation yet. He can start, you know, building it and 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 going from from there with it. But you know, this is this is a, the next test for Drew Brown if he really wants to become potentially a number one uh, in this league uh, at, at some point. I mean, you got to show that you can go out and beat these teams and and deal with what they throw at you. And so, obviously, Drew Brown looked very good. Um, he he he's got great mobility. That's the one thing that I really enjoyed about watching him was just how how mobile he is, but how accurate he is, he can be while passing, while he's running. Like the, you know, it, it, there's a lot of Zach Kalaros in that arm, and and that that that, and he, and he's faster too. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm. It should be a good game. I think the Bombers are gonna come ready for this one because I don't think they want to have to dig themselves <laughs> out of a big hole like they did last week. But but there is some risk, of course, and and there's also I think there's a high a high ceiling for reward in this game if if Drew Brown you know goes off and. Him. And does this thing again, right? Oh, so. for him personally, I mean, <clears throat> listen, I mean, setting himself up for being the number one guy on the free agent market next year. Yeah. I mean, this is wrapped <laughs> this up is for huge. you. You're playing right. with a great team with the best receiving core in the Canadian yeah. Football League. Uh, I do expect Calgary to be better, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow <laughs> at 8 p.m. Scott, yeah. have a great one and a good weekend, dude. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Beauty. Um, by the way, our Lock Shop partner parlay is up, but we did include the Thursday game today, so uh, uh, we'll hit it later on. But if you want to get on that, we are taking the Elks plus 5.5 tonight. I think it's going to be a close one. Bombers and Lions against the spread. That's plus 640 up over at Cool Bet. Um, all right, we're going to get to Brandon Rewicki in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I uh, do want to thank our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. Of course, Vita Health has six stores with the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, and uh, amazing barbecue options like Vita Health. Vita Market uh, grass-fed bison and beef steaks, and you can wash those down with some sober carpenter beer 
or Santa Cruz lemonade. Um, the uh, Vita Health, they do have local delivery options as well if you want to order at myvita.ca and, and sign up for their promotional emails and you'll get an offer for 15% off your next online order over at myvita.ca. Details are all over on the website at myvita.ca. Um, Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Uh, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. Of course, they were doing all the temporary fencing for the World Police and Fire game, did the uh, the dog run at the Gold Eyes game, and they can do those for you. Whether you, If you have a, any temporary needs, obviously give Wallace and Wallace a call, uh, but both for your property, and if you need a new garage door, uh, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of garage doors as well as the Clopay dealer in Manitoba. Um, simply give them a phone call. They can come out and give you a free estimate, 452-2700. You can also find them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Well, summer is dwindling, shall we say. Fall is just around the corner. And of course, back to work, back to school, back to the season. If you need to up your menswear game heading into the new season, I'd suggest you get down to F Apparel today and talk to Andrew and his great staff about their options, including custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties, so if you're planning something for next year, get down, talk to the, the experts at F, and they'll get you guys a great deal and have you looking great for the big day with suits you can wear beyond uh, the wedding day as well. 190 Smith Street downtown is where you'll find them. Check them out online or make an appointment at F. That's ephapparel.com. Now, there still is plenty of summer and this nice weather left, and uh, every day is a great day right now to head down to the Nick and Nicky DQ. One of four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and, of course, DQ Niverville. Amazing summer blizzard flavors are in full effect right now, and while you're at it, pick up a couple cases of dilly bars and buster bars to have when you need to break the glass in case of emergency at home if you know what i'm saying if you need a dq ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming event hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba you can send them a picture they'll get it done however you want for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four nick and nicky dqs all right let's get ruicky in here and keep the show Mm. going what's going on rue how are you I'm doing pretty good. How are we doing over there? Well, looking forward to this game tomorrow night uh, for the Bombers after that wild one last Thursday. And I get a chance to see Drew Brown go at it again. We were just talking about this with Billick, but man, what a chance for him. I mean, fully healthy Bomber offense. uh, Big challenge playing against a team like Calgary on the road. But for a guy that I think has opened up some eyes around the league in his limited playing time, leading the team back against Edmonton from down 22 nothing, A full week of practice, the opportunity to start against a defense that's been pretty good. Their offense has been very inconsistent this year. Um, not only can he help his team get to 8-2 and two and maintain a piece of first place in the West, but also set himself up for a big free agency period next year, assuming that you know the Bombers have to let him go because of what he's going to cost. Uh, you don't get many opportunities like this, and this is a big one for Drew Brown. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, you're right. <laughs> Hopefully it would have been an opportunity for him to, you know, 
re-up the salary a little bit and stay in Winnipeg as a backup for another year or two or however long it may be. But if he gets a starting job out of it, that's awesome too. I mean, we've just been very blessed over these last few years, Huss, and I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm in like honeymoon mode when it comes to the Bombers, where for so long there, there wasn't one quarterback on the roster. And the fact that there might be two... <laughs> Like two two high end or two really good starter level players is just it's it's fascinating to me. But man, he looked the part, and I mean, all the reviews from him over the past few years have been nothing but positive. And you know, watching that game, we we've unfortunately seen a few bomber QBs come in out of nowhere in their first start or their first action and have some pretty impressive statistical performances. Um, and I always think of the Ryan Dinwiddie one. I think it was against Calgary too, right, Huss? So we threw for like 400 yards against the Stamps in, in Winnipeg. And it was like, okay, the Dinwiddie era is here. Away we go. And it didn't necessarily work out that way. But it, it felt a lot different than that one. Like in that one, Dinwiddie was just tossing up 50-50 balls. And the bombs were just coming up. It was like, you know, 90-10 balls that day. But, I mean, it was the accuracy. It was the progression throwing out of the pocket, throwing in the pocket, on the run. Like, it, it was basically just like a checklist, you know, starting from the top and going all the way down there where he was just doing everything you would ask a quarterback to do in the CFL. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he does here. And you're right. You know, Edmonton can't do much right. But, I mean, a Chris Jones defense in the CFL is, is you know, always difficult to put up big, big numbers against, and he did that. And if he does it against Calgary here – I mean, at that point, all you're really looking for is just the experience out of him. Like, there wouldn't be a whole lot, a whole lot to check out. And, you know, thankfully, you know, the Bombers arguably have the MOP candidate right now in Caleros. And it's just wild to me that they might be able to put the next guy in and not miss a beat. It's just crazy. It's crazy times. Yeah, we're going to talk to Pat Steinberg in Calgary a little bit more on the stamps in this one, as well as kind of some Flames Jets talk a little bit later on. But um, I wanted, I wasn't planning on asking you about this, but it's sort of come up in the first hour of the program. I'm sure you've seen this statement from Jonathan Taves that he uh, put out. Um, it certainly doesn't say that he's retiring. Um, it doesn't say that he's planning on signing with another team. But I mean, when you read that, what was your, what, what did you make of it? Yeah, no, it was just that. It was like, okay, well, normally if you're thinking Chicago, you thank them en route to retiring, right? And you're leaving the door open a little bit there. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to take a year off and come back, but that was, my initial thought was, I wonder where he's signing on Friday. <laughs> That's all I thought. So I, I don't know where. I don't know who that might be. Um, but, I mean, my initial guess would be that Cave signs a one-year cheap deal with somebody. Um, I would imagine it would be a contender, too. Like, he's not going to do what Matt Dumba did, I would think at least where you sign with a, a bottom-dwelling team in the hopes of getting moved at the, at the deadline. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he might go. There's not really a whole lot of spots open. But, I, you know, at, at this point in his career, I mean, at, at, at most, I think he's going to be a third-line center on a contending team. Um, maybe he supercharges a fourth line for you. I, I, I don't really know. But I, I'm intrigued as to what option that might be. I mean, the obviously, the big glaring hole right now in the NHL when it comes to centermen is is in Boston with the Bruins. I, I don't know if he has enough left of the tank to even be a second line guy for them. It would be a great story if he could pull it off. But my initial reaction was he's going to sign somewhere in the next day or two. 
if I had to make a bet as of right now, I mean, Boston seems to be as good a place as any for him. I'm concerned that they're they're basically just holding open auditions at this point for somebody to play 15, 16 minutes a night for them down the middle. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what. Let's see. What, what does Boston have? I mean, th- it seems like they've only got like 400 grand of cap space. Now, again, things can be done and we're going to see a lot of cap gymnastics over the next little while for teams to get under the cap. But yeah, I mean, Cap Friendly has them at 83 million right now in a projected cap hit and projected cap space of 429,000. There certainly would be a space that now, is he going to be offensively in the realm of Bergeron? No, even Krejci, probably not. He does do so many of those other things to help you win hockey games, though. I mean, you know, as good of a defensive center as there is or certainly was maybe at his peak, but I mean, I think he still has that face-offs. I mean, all, all of those things. And obviously, probably a great guy to help work with uh, work with young players. Um, you know, he couldn't help but, you know, talk about Winnipeg. And again, this is kind of more completely speculative whether he would even consider coming to his hometown. Some guys are really into that. Some guys probably want to avoid that because it comes with a lot. But I mean, outside of Boston... The Jets have already lost Pierre-Luc Dubois. They don't even have a sure thing right now for their second-line position, and it goes without saying that Mark Shifley's future is very murky as it pertains even to this season in Winnipeg. With young centers coming in, trying to play, like, there could be a huge... If, if there was a way for them to get uh, get him here for a year or two, I think there could be some huge, huge benefits for the Jets as an organization and as a team with those young players, if they were able to get him into that lineup. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I don't know how much wing he's played. Um, I don't know how much he played last year in Chicago, to be honest. I don't know if he's capable of it. I imagine, again, centerman, turn off the brain, go along the wall, you're good to go. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about the Jets. I mean, in an ideal world, both of them would pan out, but – trying to make Perfetti and or Velarde work down the middle this upcoming season, that's a good on-ice mentor to have, <laughs> right? Like that, and, and Velarde's game kind of projects to be like Taves light in a way. I mean, he's already got the defensive side of the game down. It's just, you know, is he going to be able to be enough of an offensive dynamo to be a, a top six guy for you down the middle? I, I have no problems with that. I had no problems with that last year, Hus, to be honest, with the Jets – you know, there was some rumors about them potentially making the move at the deadline to bring somebody in like like a Taves. I got no problem with that. I mean, I don't think the money's going to be all that big. I'd be shocked if it was a two-year deal, to be honest with you. I think at this point, and with everything physically he's been through, it's it's probably just going to be a one-year contract and, and not a whole lot of a cap hit to come along with it. And if he's willing to play out there on the wing as well, and he could be a mentor to Perfetti and Velarde, uh, yeah, sign me up for that. I, I just... You know, if, if you want to be a playoff team, which the Jets seemingly want to be, I don't think him at second-line center is is going to be the answer, as good of a mentor as he would be to Perfetti and Velarde. Yeah, uh, yeah probably the guy that we've seen the last couple of years. Um, and again, I mean, I think so much of this is unknown um, because he's a notoriously quiet, private guy. I mean, like, I don't know about you. I haven't seen a single report on Jonathan Taves up until today with his announcement um, and the thing is, it was almost redundant because we went through this at the end of last season when they thanked him for all his time. I mean, everyone knew that he wasn't going back to Chicago. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so now I'm sort of with you. Like, is this a precursor 
to something that's coming? Or is this a uh, an announcement to the other 31 teams in the league saying, hey, don't forget about this guy with the three cup rings that has done all. He's uh, you know still ready to go. Although, again, maybe at that point he puts in, I'm looking forward to resuming my playing career at some point soon. Call my agent for, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but uh, but that. So it is a really, really interesting situation. And and he's a guy, like, this is the thing. He's really doesn't have anything left to play for. I mean, he's won it all. He's done it all. But when you consider the way things ended in Chicago with that horrible team and honestly probably being sat down partly because of his health, partly because the only thing he could do is help them win some hockey games and they didn't want that. I wouldn't at all be surprised if if he's feeling up to it, trying to be part of a team that, you know, has another playoff run or two in him. I would think so, right? I mean, maybe maybe part of it is go play in Florida, one of the Florida teams or the Cali teams, and the aches and bruises don't feel as bad. Like, maybe that's a part of it too. But, like, I get that he's won three cups, but do you know what guys with three cups like to do? They like to win four cups. So like I, I, my, and you're right too. Like just the way his career has played out where it's been a long time since Chicago has been any good. It's like, it's almost, you know, it's not quite like he's chasing the first one again, but you know, you've only got a year or two left. I would imagine as an NHLer. Yeah. Like let's, let's go out there and then let's chase another one and, and, and try to make it happen. So I, I mean, I would be shocked if he signed for, for a non-contending team and to be totally fair, I'd be pretty surprised if he signed in Winnipeg. It, like it would literally only be for the hometown pull. Like that would be the only real yeah, and reason. We don't even know if there is any hometown pull. Yeah, the, exactly. Right. I mean, I, I like if he wants to go and chase a cup, it's there. There's about ten teams at the bare minimum that have a better shot at it than Winnipeg does, and I would imagine half of those have nice warm weather as well. So I, yeah, I, I if if you had to give me like a power ranking. The, the Jets don't make the top five. There, there's no doubt about that. I think there's a number of teams that, that make a little more sense to him to try to chase the Stanley Cup, and I, I just don't see him signing for a team that's in the bottom half of the league at this point. Yeah, the the only thing that I'll say about Winnipeg, and I, I listen, I don't disagree with you on anything that you said, but, I mean, if you want to try to talk yourself into <laughs> some reasons why it might work, the fact that... Listen, right now with Shifley and with Hellebuck, I mean, you know, the team on paper should be able to at least compete within the West and potentially be a playoff team and all that. I think the fact that one or both of those players, well, specifically Shifley at center, there could be that opening. Like, I kind of do think that if he goes somewhere, he'd like to have a significant role. Like, I don't think he's going anywhere if he doesn't feel that he can play up to a particular level. And if he feels like he can play that level... He'd probably like to be more than a really good fourth or a third-line player. And this is a spot where I think that opportunity would be very much open to him, unlike most of the other spots. But to me, I mean, listen, let's face it. You look at it, it's Boston, and then it's everywhere else. I mean, they've got the massive hole. They've got a ton of talent on that team. They just had that historic season. Um, if he wants to play some important games in a great atmosphere and probably play a playoffs and give themselves a chance to win, if he's up to it, I mean, I think it's there. And then everywhere else is a distant second. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You know, the one team that for, for outside of Boston that popped into my head was it just it, it seems like such a Paul Maurice move, doesn't it? 
And like Florida, for all like for all the reasons that I mentioned before, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Paul, Paul loves to play his. I mean, Mark Stahl was a top four defenseman last year, so you can't tell me that he wouldn't try to find a way to get Jonathan Taves fifteen minutes a night. When did this? When did this thing come out? Ninety minutes ago, probably. Yeah, Maurice, whatever he's doing right now, getting ready for the season, he's checking his phone. This thing came up, and the very next thing he did was call Bill Zito yeah. and said, listen, do you have this guy's number? We, we can need, make it work. <laughs> we need to. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they had been calling him or sending him messages or smoke signals or whatever all winter long trying to get him. Like, there, I said the exact same thing to you. I'm like, oh, Maurice must be so excited. Right now. <laughs> and listen, I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, if you're a guy that really does like to trust veterans, I mean, you don't have much better of a veteran resume than Jonathan Taves does right now. And most the one coach that is not afraid to play those guys. Um, in fact, maybe more than it's smart at times, but they get their chance. I mean, we saw Eric Stahl, never mind Mark. Eric, he's what, 37, 38? And Taves is still only 35 years old. Just the, the big question obviously goes back to how healthy is he? What sort of a player is he going to be able to be in? And does he even feel he has it in him to come back and, give it a run in a very different situation with a new team as opposed to that amazing run that he had with the Blackhawks. Um, speaking of the Jets, listen, uh, we just saw Mark Shifley. He was out on the ice. Joe Piscucci sent us some video. He and Capobianco and some of the NHLers practicing. Um, you know, unless something crazy happens, he's going to be here. Hellebuck's going to be here. Outside of those two, which would be big, big moves that very well could be tied together if anything happens on that what do you think the likelihood of any roster move for the Jets before we get to training camp is? And if so, what would it be? It would be low. I would be surprised. I think it might happen during training camp or kind of at the tail end of preseason. The, the only one that, that makes, I shouldn't say makes sense. The only one I see having any possibility of happening quickly would be Logan Stanley being traded. Maybe Billy Hainala. But, I mean, Logan Stanley hasn't signed yet. That, 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 to me, is the only one. Other than that, though, I mean, teams really aren't trading anybody that has a legitimate cap hit. So that, to me, removes the Dillons, the, the Schmidt, obviously, anybody of, of that ilk. And, I mean, there's no other real move for the Jets to make at this point, knowing that the Hellebuck and Shifley market is what it is, and it's hasn't changed over the past month and a half. And I don't anticipate that all of a sudden changing just because we're getting close to the season starting. So... With all of those out of the window, the only, I think, legitimate thing that can happen would be one of those two defensive prospects being moved, knowing the Jets have a logjam, and whether it's a mid-round pick or a reclamation project coming back the other way. I, I, I just, I can't envision something major happening. The fact that it's August 17th right now, and outside of somebody getting hurt, it, 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 the rosters are just, they're, they're set all across the league and, and nobody's going to make a move until some outside force essentially necessitates them to do that. Hey, Brandon, um, you know, what, we've been talking a lot about Taves and the team that he's leaving behind in Chicago. What, uh, what are your expectations for Bedard this year? And, and, and let's, I mean, you look at, they've added Taylor Hall. They've got Corey Perry now. Felino's there. I mean, they did actually add quite a bit to the roster to at least support him somewhat. What are your expectations for Bedard personally? And 
Will the Blackhawks be more competitive this year? I mean, I guess they have to be more competitive than they were <laughs> last year, but how much more will they be with Bedard and the other guys that they added? Yeah, not much. <laughs> not, not much at all. I mean, they're, you look at, I mean, Chicago's bad. San Jose is, oh. this is a legendary tankathon roster right there. And that, I mean, there, there's no Connor Bedard prize waiting at the end of this year, even though the, the Celebrini kid's supposed to be great. San Jose is I, – I love the San Jose's roster right now. It's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Chicago's a bottom five team, no doubt about it. They're not going to get out of the bottom five. I think a good season for Bedard would probably be 60 to 70 points. 70 points would probably be like – I, I, I imagine he's going to score 30 goals. You know, the one thing I, I do wonder about a little bit is just, you know, how little help he has even with Taylor Hall mm-hmm. coming in. Like there's just not a whole lot – on the lower part of the roster, like even even secondary scoring for Chicago, it's just it's not where it needs to be. So the the addition of Taylor Hall was you know really mandatory to give him just a little bit of help there. Um, but I mean the kids the, the kids going to be one of the best goal scorers in the game. And if you listen to all the analysts, all like all the scouts and everybody like that, they say like goal scoring wise, maybe three guys on the planet that can do what he does with the puck. And I mean, I mean, I watching him at the World Juniors, watching him, you know, those highlights from the dub where everybody's just helpless trying to defend against him. I, I don't think I disagree with that a whole lot. So, you know, as an 18 year old, that that's not overly big coming in. I think he's going to score 30 goals. Probably going to win Rookie of the Year, but I don't I don't know if he's going to be a point of game guy right off the bat because I don't think even McDavid did that with Edmonton. But I think a 30 30 season is is probably well within his range and then anything above that i think chicago fans would be absolutely ecstatic with yeah i can't disagree um i think i might even i i can't wait till cool bet has the 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 totals for the season and seeing what his over under for goals is i think we'll probably just take the over and have some fun watching it for all the games and i guess they're coming here twice this season as a divisional rival uh, and not surprising, you know, not too often you see a team that was the worst in the league get into that tier one of games when you're doing mini packs. <laughs> if you saw the way the Jets put right. out, but that first uh, that first Chicago game certainly is going to be a a hot ticket in town. Now, well, what's going on? On is it more plates than skates lately on the uh, on the pod? That's yeah, a mixture. It's a mixture. We're we're, we're getting through it. Uh, it's it's ranking season, so forward. Forwards and defense has gone through so far. I mean, we saw the Jay Fresh had his top 100 forwards list. So a little bit of that about Shifley and, and Connor and Ehlers. And I mean, even the defensive rankings, like where Morrissey sits league-wide coming into the season. Um, I, I, I was saying this to my brother earlier, but, you know, if, if Morrissey, if, if the season Morrissey had last year happened five or six years ago, he might have been a runaway Norris Trophy winner. Um, and then it just so happens he does it this season, and it's like the sixth best season in the NHL. This like defenseman in the NHL right now, like it's it's kind of back to the. I mean, the last golden age might have been with like Bork and Leach and, and Lidstrom and Chelios, right? Like we're we're kind of entering a a new golden age for for defensemen with what they're doing right now. So I mean, it's yeah, too bad for Morrissey there, but just interesting to see where he ranks going into this season, and then where the blue line ranks as a whole, considering. It's literally the exact same group this team had last year, which again, nobody could have anticipated saying going into last training camp. 
Uh, Brandon, great having you on the program, buddy. Have an awesome weekend, and uh, we'll catch up next week as we get a little closer to uh, training camps, but also NFL season just a couple weeks away. Let's go. Excited. Sounds good. Have a great weekend. <laughs> right on. There's Brandon Rewicki. Uh, make sure you follow and uh, subscribe to Skates and Plates, wherever you get your favorite podcast for more on the Jets and uh, and Brandon and Tyson. All right. Um, do want to thank, hey, uh, week today is the Princess Auto game coming up at, um, at the st- stadium at IG Field. Princess Auto, very excited for uh, for it. And, of course, get there early. Princess Auto tailgate party will probably be even more rocking than normal. Bunch of swag to give away. And bottom line is $3.50 popping hot dogs, $5 beers. Definitely the place to be before all the games. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place to be for the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, Consolidated Supply continues to uh, have a, uh, a big, big summer because, of course, they're the irrigation and artificial turf leaders in Winnipeg and Manitoba. If you have art, uh, irrigation needs for your property, give our pal Joe a call over at Consolidated Supply. And heck, maybe you're thinking about that dream putting green in the backyard. They've got you covered there with all sorts of artificial turf options. Uh, if you need golf carts, new, used, or I don't even want to call these golf carts because um, they're more like six and eight seater vehicles that you can use industrially. They've got those all as well. And, of course, other great options for your property, not necessarily commercially, but hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens, and they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them. Consolidated Supply Showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Of course, big bomber game tomorrow. Team back next Thursday for Montreal. If you need to uh, get your bomber gear on, get on down to Manitoba's number one sports superstore. Of course, you might need to refresh your Jets gear before the upcoming season. Not to mention whatever the 32 NFL teams you support, the best selection of NFL merchandise around. It's all at Royal Sports. But not only do they have the best selection of fan gear around, they are the hockey superstore. The season, believe it or not, is just around the corner. People already on the ice. You need new equipment. Royal's the place to do it. Uh, Also, soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, huge selection of bikes. Whatever you're looking for, Royal's got it. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. And uh, CFL back tonight. I will be watching this game between the Elks and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And what better place to get together with friends and watch the game, along with Big Blue Jays game tonight. Then your local BP, Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Staying in tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, still lots to get to. We're going to take a quick trip out to the ballpark in a minute. We will talk to you about our partner parlay that we put together with the gang at CoolBet. But with the Bombers in Calgary tomorrow and lots of intrigue on the off-seasons for the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, Perfect day to welcome in my pal, Pat Steinberg from 960 in Calgary. Patty, what's up, man? 
How's the summer been? Your world travels. Been a good summer. It's it was uh yeah, it's been uh it's been solid to be away and disconnect, but it's good to be back. It's good to be uh back in Calgary and back in town and uh it's good to we've had we've had I was we we took Flames Talk off for four weeks. Literally nothing happened. The exact just... like zero happened. The same roster the day we started back as when we left. So there's been nothing going on with the Flames. It's kind of a similar situation. Flames and Jets, the, the two teams, two Western Canadian teams, are just waiting for all these big moves. Zero. Nothing has happened. You know what? It was funny. I I, uh, I envied you throughout your trip because, uh, of course, we got a chance to catch up at uh, the draft in Nashville at a time where there were tons of questions about both of these clubs. Kind of not as much happened, although the Jets obviously made a huge trade with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, but then, you know, a couple weeks in, free agency, and then it really has been incredibly quiet. Let me ask you this. Um, do you think, I mean, we can talk about both of these teams right now, but specifically to the Flames, do you expect some things to happen before training camp? Or, I mean, we're sort of at this point where I'm not sure there is anything more to be done. Although often when teams do get together in training camp, you know, at that point, maybe a few things, probably not the bigger moves, but maybe some things around the periphery of the lineup. I mean, do you expect anything to happen before the guys hit the ice? I mean, from a from a big perspective, like a big time impact player perspective, I don't know. The only the only guy that I think we could see something with between now and training camp is Hannafin. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I and and even then, I don't know how confident I would be that that is going to happen. Just because when you think about it, the the whole the whole I don't know spot that we're in right now is kind of that limbo land that, as as you mentioned, this is not usually when you see a lot of deals in the NHL. So it it kind of feels like while I still think Hannafin's the one guy that could get done here. It kind of feels like this might be a situation with him and maybe another player or two that they might have to go into the season and and let it play out for a few weeks or a few months before they make a couple of these deals. Like I think about the Matt Duchesne trade in 2017 that Joe Sackick pulled off in Colorado. Like we we knew for months and months and months that the Avalanche wanted nothing to do with Duchesne, but Sackick had a price. He stuck to that price, and I think he waited until early November of 2017 to make that deal, and he hit an absolute home run with Ottawa and Nashville. So the the Flames, the Flames have not been good at getting great offers on their guys, and because the offers have been underwhelming, they're sticking to their guns. They've got a price. They want to stick to that price, and it's the way that I think you have to do it if you're Calgary, and, and to get the price that they're looking for, they might have to wait until the season's underway and a team gets off to a poor start or another team sustains an injury or something like that. That might be what we're, uh, what we're talking about, Hus. Well, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And I mean, you know, there are so many similarities between Calgary and Winnipeg. And ironically, they're playing in game one of the season. I'll see you out there for that one, Pat. Um, I mean, we expect Hellebuck and Shifley to be here at the beginning of the season. Um, And at that point, it creates all sorts of options. Are players traded? You know, are they potentially gone at the deadline? Do they extend? I mean, what's your feeling on the the situation surrounding Elias Lindholm, who certainly is the key player with the most uncertain future in Calgary? 
Well, right now it's kind of a, a waiting game because the Flames, from everything that we're led to believe, from everything I understand, the Flames have an offer on the table for Elias Lindholm. They they have an offer. They, they, they have the offer on the table with the invitation to continue negotiating on it. And, and it kind of just comes down to where Elias is and what Elias is thinking. Does he want to be a full-time, long-term member of the Calgary Flames? Does he want to be with the Flames for the next nine years of his career uh, and sign an eight-year extension? Or does he want to potentially see what's out there in free agency in less than a year's time? Does he want to explore what might be out there in that respect? So because, because they're waiting on Lindholm, and because we don't think Lindholm has made his decision as of yet, it's kind of this this weird Lindholm limbo where they're like, okay, we we want this guy back. We believe we have a fair offer on the table. I think that offer's kind of in the eight-year, 8.75 range, 9 million range, somewhere in there. And, and they, they believe they've got a fair offer on the table. They believe that they've done what it takes on their part to convince him to stay. And now it's kind of up to him. And I think the best-case scenario is that he comes back. The best-case scenario is that he does decide to sign long-term with the Flames. But it makes you wonder when a guy takes this long to decide, even if he does end up, signing long-term with the team, you know, is that the place that he really wants to be? And if it's not the place he really wants to be, what are you going to get out of that player? So it really, it's been a really interesting few months on the Lindholm frontier. And again, I mean, I think that they would absolutely move him once they got the idea or the, the answer that he's not going to be signing back long-term. And I think there would be plenty of teams who would take him, but when you're kind of still waiting to see what he wants to do kind of puts you in a tough spot. You know, like they had that crazy offseason last year with Gaudreau leaving for nothing and then the trade of Kachuk and then the signings of Huberto, Uyghur, and then the Kadri is a free agent. Uh, and then the season went south on them. Um, obviously, the you know new GM, new head coach. Considering there's a new GM, and listen, we know how important Lindholm is, and number one centers don't grow on trees. I mean, it's a big conversation here in Winnipeg, you know, regarding Mark Shifley. But if they do sign Lindholm to a long-term deal, you're going to have Huberto, Kadri, and yeah. Lindholm all signed to, like, big money market deals up to 37 years old, 38 yeah. years old. How much of a concern is that amongst the, the fan base and maybe internally that, you know, you want to keep your assets, but at the same time, what does this do to this team down the road with so much tied up in players that are going to be well into the back nine of their career during these extensions? Yeah, it's it's unquestionably a concern, certainly a concern for Flames fans. Um, I think it's something that the management group is aware of as well. And, you know, it's it's funny because I've, I've thought about that, too. I think it's a fair concern. Like if, if you know, I get a phone call or, or read a text about it, it's like, yeah, I think it's a valid concern that then you'd have Huberto, who I think is 30 now, and he's got he has played zero games on his eight year contract. And it, that starts this year. So you've got him well into his late thirties. Kadri's all oh, already well over 30 and he's got six years left. Lindholm is 28, 29. So you're talking about signing him to an eight year extension. And again, 36, 37, 38 is when that extension would run out. And I guess, 
I, it's 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 fair, but I also think to myself, okay, yes, you've got Huberdeau and Kadri and Weger signed, and they're all going to go into their late thirties. But do you want to lose Lindholm? And it has taken this organization so long to find a guy that they could call their number one center. And while Lindholm isn't McKinnon or McDavid or, you know, he's not one of the the very best number one centers, elite number one centers, he's still a number one center on a lot of teams in this league, including the Calgary Flames. And that's a spot that they have not had for so long. And so I, I just, if you let him go or if you trade him, how long are you then searching for the next number one center, something that had eluded them for two decades? And so, you know, if you're Conroy, you didn't sign Huberdeau, you didn't sign Kadri, you're looking at it and saying, okay, those those contracts are signed, but can I get out of those somehow if I need to and still keep Lindholm? And and I think it's risky. I think it definitely carries with it uh, some some definite downside on the back half of those contracts. But when I do kind of the cost-benefit analysis and when I take a look at the threshold, I still, at least my opinion, I still land on the it's better to sign Lindholm and if you can get him signed long-term, even though it, it comes with it some downside, even though it comes with it some risk on the back end, without question, I still think it's the better move for the organization, as valid as those concerns are. Well, and I'll say this, um, you know, if I'm his agent right now, I'm thinking long and hard about just handing a pen over to him because, I mean, you talked about the ages of these players and, you know, Lindholm would be 29 when this kicks in. And we all know the cap's going up next year and everyone yep. says there's going to be all this money flying around. There's also a ton of competition in that free agent market. Like would Jonathan Huberto have gotten $10.5 million this year on the open market? I don't think so. Like, I think he got a premium to commit to Calgary when he did. And I kind of think Elias is in that same position right now with that deal that's on the table that very well might be significantly different if they don't take it now and end up getting to free agency. Yeah, and I mean, so you lose the the extra year, so you lose, you know, eight and a half to nine million dollars off your contract right to begin with. And I don't know if, as you mentioned, when you take a look at next summer's free agency crop and with the money that's going to be flying around, I don't, I don't know if Lindholm gets a an offer that is going to be as lucrative as this one. And, and, you know, when, when it comes to that type of money, you know, for you and I, it's like, Oh, that's a lot of, but for these guys who have already made, you know, millions upon millions in their career, there are some guys that look at it and say, okay, well, if I'm foregoing X amount of millions of dollars, but I get to go to a place that I'm more comfortable with or a place that I'm more interested in playing, then then a lot of times they'll do that. I mean, I take a look back to last summer where Johnny left a significant amount of money on the table. He took less yearly to sign in Columbus and left $10.5 million of the extra year on the table. So he gave up like $15 million by signing with Columbus as opposed to taking Calgary's deal. But he was fine with that and at peace with that. So maybe Lindholm goes the same way. You know what's interesting, Huss, is that you mentioned the new GM. You mentioned the new coach. Like th- this was such a disaster last year. I mean, I, I know that you kind of lived through it with the Jets, not last year, but the year before with how, how things kind of went off the rails with Paul Maurice and then Dave Lowry and how the atmosphere, and it was, it was just time to make a change. Rick bonus comes in and injects some new life and a new atmosphere and a new feeling. Well, here in Calgary, the dark cloud that was 
over this team, specifically with Daryl Sutter as the head coach, has now been lifted. So you've got a new general manager in Craig Conroy who is revered in this town and brings with him a lot of excitement in, in taking over the job. And Daryl Sutter's replaced by Ryan Huska, so that dark cloud, that black cloud no longer hanging over him. I know a lot of people wonder if, okay, if Lindholm hasn't made up his mind yet, but he comes to training camp, comes to and, and starts the season with the Flames, and all of a sudden there's a new vibe and a new feel, and it's just a fresher, more positive atmosphere, maybe that's what it'll take, or maybe that's what will be the, the pushing point to get him over that hump and maybe sign that deal. So that's going to be really interesting to see, and not just with Elias, but with a lot of these guys that we're talking about, Michael Backlund or, or Nikita Zadorov or some of these names that also need new contracts. What does a new regime look like for them, and how does it maybe push them one way or the other? Uh, you know, Just speaking of that, before we get to the Stamps Bombers on Friday, um, mm-hmm. why Huska and what uh, – like? What's at the top of his to-do list when he shows up in training camp with the Calgary Flames? Well, I I think, first of all, I believe Craig Conroy's guy from the get-go was Huska. So before before he was given the job or or, or was hired as general manager, my my belief is, you know, I I think just based on what I know that Ryan Huska was the guy that he was even going into his interviews with saying, you know, Ryan Huska is the guy that I think should be the head coach of this team. And I, I, the reason for that is because Ryan has really, he's, he's busted his ass the entire way and, and has succeeded on every level that he's been on. So he's paid his dues Sure, which is only one part of the equation, but he's also been successful in doing so. He was a successful head coach in junior hockey. He was a successful head coach in the American League. And now for the last five years, Huss, he's been a really assistant, uh, really effective assistant in the NHL. I mean, his penalty kill has been one of the best in the NHL over the last half decade, which has been one of the, the key areas that he's been tasked with. And the positional strength of the Flames over the last five years has by far been their defense, which is the area that he works with. So he's been very successful as an assistant and he's really, really well respected inside that locker room. And, and so I think all those things combined made him the right choice in terms of what his first order of business is. I I, I think, I think more than anything else, it's kind of, it's kind of one with a one a and, and number one is, He's got to get more out of Jonathan Huberdeau. I, I think there's no doubt of you cannot have Jonathan Huberdeau at 55 points and ten and a half million dollars next year. You just cannot. He needs to be a more effective hockey player next year. He needs to be a more dangerous hockey player. And I think that that kind of speaks to the bigger picture. You need more from Huberdeau, but you need more from Kadri. You need more from Lindholm. You need more from Manjapani. You need more from like there were just so many players that had down years last year offensively and. This team, despite putting all the pucks towards the net and spending all the time in the offensive zone, couldn't score. And they need to find a way to be more dangerous offensively. So I think more than anything else, that's business order number one for Huska, is how does this team score more? How does this team be more dangerous and less predictable than they were with the puck on their stick last year? Pat Steinberg is with us in Calgary. The Jets will open up the season on October 11th at the Saddle Dome against the uh, Flames with their new head coach. Uh, but we will have a few Winnipeggers in Cowtown this Friday night as the Bombers take on the Calgary Stampeders. It's sort of a weird season, an underwhelming season so far for Calgary right now. 
Pat, what do you make of the uh, Jake Mayer-led stamps right now at this point in the season? They're a very pedestrian team, Huss. They just... It's its funny. They, they've got some really good facets of their game. You know, Micah Awe and Cameron Judge and Mike Rose are having, you know, all-star caliber seasons on defense. Micah Awe probably leads the, leads the pack when it comes to most outstanding defensive player. And if it's not him, then he's he's in there with Jefferson or Lacombo. Like, they're... He's having an incredible year at middle linebacker, an incredible first year as a member of the Stampeders. Cam Judge, as as his weak side linebacker, they've put together you know one of the best linebacker duos in the CFL, and and Mike Rose is one of the best interior linemen, if not the best interior lineman in the CFL. But they have not been able to put everything together. So there have been nights where Jake Mayer and the offense have looked dangerous, and he's thrown for three fifty or four hundred yards, and and he's been he's been dangerous. But on those nights, maybe the defense lets him down, or there's been nights where they've been in a really low scoring game, and they've they've stymied a really good offense. But then Jake Mayer and Calgary's offense can't move the ball. Or then last week against BC, absolutely nothing was good, and even their special teams, which is reliable, gave up up a touchdown and uh the, they couldn't move the ball they couldn't make a stop they couldn't get anything done on specials it was just an absolute disaster and an elite bc team ran them over in the first half and and then the third and fourth quarters last week you might as well they, they didn't need to play him because uh bc was on cruise control so it's been a year where they have not been able to put things together on a consistent basis in one game. You know, there's been nights when one facet's on and one facet's not, and they lose the game. But I think the biggest issue that they're facing right now, Huss, is that they are looking at a – it's been a really pedestrian offense of, of late, and we've seen a lot of short passes and a lot of dinking and dunking down the field, and that can become really predictable. When you've got a defense as good as the Bombers and you've got a defense as good as the Argos or the Lions, you know that's going to become really, really easy to snuff out, and you're going to be able to make the adjustments pretty easily. So they have got to find a way. Jake Mayer, I think, has got to find a way to be a little more explosive because he has it in him. But right now, I think he's up in his head. Right now, I think he's worried about making a mistake. Uh, right now, I think he's worried about where the Stampeders sit and, and their record and how dire their playoff situation looks like for the first time in like two decades um so i think he's overthinking things a little bit he's got the ability to push the ball downfield he's got the receivers to push the ball downfield too you know mark and michelle has been criminally underused since getting back to calgary and you know i just i i think that they've got the ability to be a little bit more of a dynamic offense here's the one saving grace on jake mayer especially going into week 10 uh or week 11 is He's played really well against the Bombers. I, I I remember a couple of games last year where I, I was convinced that Mayer was the guy because specifically against the benchmark team in the CFL, he was great. That one game at IG Field where he and Kalaros went shot for shot. They were taking shots down the sidelines. Um, they they were, you know, acrobatic. Malik Henry had that outstanding game, and and the Bombers receivers had an outstanding game. When it was all said and done, and the Bombers won on a on a last drive in the fourth quarter, and they ended up winning the game. But I was like, "Geez, Jake Mayer has convinced me." So maybe maybe a game against the Bombers is exactly what Jake needs to get things back on track. Well, I remember that, and I think if I'm not mistaken, it was his first start. And he that, came that in. sounds that sounds right, Huss. He came in and he I, I, he either was perfect or had one incompletion in the first half. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, was just, we're like, who the heck is this guy? Oh, they haven't had much of a drop off. Well, they have a little bit. And at the start of this season, he was throwing it all over the place. But the problem was they were being caught by the other team. Yep. And it does seem like they've sort of dialed it back a little bit, um, you know, to try to, you know, have more accurate control offense as opposed to those big plays. And obviously they can run the football and that's something that they'll be leaning on as well. It should be a really interesting game. I mean, at this point we haven't seen Zach Caleros at practice this week. So you'd have to think it'll be drew Brown yep, who certainly turned some heads with what he did coming in off the bench down 22, nothing last week. Uh, but Hey, I'll say this about the, the stamps. They're still in a pretty good position because I know the riders have four wins. Um, but I mean, they've beaten Edmonton twice, barely. Like that team isn't any good. And then and then there's the Elks, who it's crazy. We've spent a lot of time talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's like this car crash in slow motion that you just can't take your eyes off of. Uh, but wow, I mean, to see a team with that history, with that historic support in that community, bottom out the way they are, Pat. I don't think any of us thought we'd ever see a season like they're having right now in Edmonton. I didn't think that, I did not think the Elks could have a season as bad as the last for two consecutive years. Because if, if you remember, you know, in 2021, in the 14-game season, that thing went so off the rails and, and it led to the Trevor Harris ousting. And there was so much infighting behind closed doors, we were led to believe. It was like that place was toxic. So they're going to come in the, the following year and it's just going to be better in 2022. And last year was a disaster. And they could not win a game at home and they stretched this streak of not being able to win a game at uh, at Commonwealth uh, into two seasons. And now this, I, I didn't think it get, could get worse. And I thought I thought with some of the decisions they made, they bring in Geno Lewis, they, uh, they really revamp their receiving group, they make a couple of good ads defensively, they, they keep a couple key pieces defensively. Um, and, and Chris Jones has always been better in his second year than his first year. I just thought to myself, okay, you know what? I think Edmonton's going to be much better this year. I think they're a team that takes a significant step. Well, they have. They've taken a, taken a significant step in the wrong direction. They are dreadful. I cannot remember a team this bad in the Canadian. In a nine-team league, they're playing with eight this year. I, I can't remember the, the last time there's been a team in this league this bad, and there have been some really, really rough teams over the last 10 or 15 years, but this is on a different level. Well, Hamilton's uh, not very good, and they're somehow five-and-a-half-point favorites this Friday, so uh, this Thursday, tonight, uh, that tells you all you need to know. Pat, great to talk to you, as always. Um, if anything happens with your team or our team here in the PEG, I'm sure we'll be doing it again soon, and uh, hopefully we can hook up in early October when uh, the Jets get to Calgary for game yeah. one of the regular season. We'll see you then. I'm down. See ya, Huss. All right, good stuff with my guy, Pat Steinberg, and I will look forward to seeing him in person as we get ready for that first game of the season for the Winnipeg Jets in Calgary on October 11th. But that's that's two months into the future. Let's focus on tomorrow night. Bombers, Stamps, August 18th, and the Winnipeg Blue Bomber, the Coors Light Blue Bomber viewing party this week is at Hooters. We're going to head by and uh, join in the fun Party starts at 7.30. Kickoff is at 8. You'll be able to meet and take photos with members of the Bomber cheer team and Blue Bomber alumni. And at the end of every quarter, there's going to be a draw for a Bomber prize pack that includes tickets and Bomber swag. 
There's going to be bomber trivia throughout the night for other Coors Light prizing. And uh, Coors Light mugs are going to be special on special all night. And if you do go at your table, um, you know, uh, limit one per table. But if you mention Winnipeg Sports Talk, you get a free starter size deep fried pickles for your table. So uh, tomorrow night, one of the uh, great bomber viewing parties coming to Hooters, 1501 St. Matthews. Join us and see you tomorrow for what should be a great night and hopefully a big blue bomber win. Um, speaking of WST events, everybody, we officially announced yesterday that we've got another date for WST Sports Trivia. I'm throwing the link in the chat right now. Get on over there and reserve your spot. The first two have been huge successes. Um, you can see the picture that Remus has got up there right now. We just did an Instagram post as well from the one that we did in the winter, I guess in March. But this one will hopefully, weather permitting, be outside in that beautiful patio like we did on the uh, first event. Um, very simple, grab some friends. Just we ask that you do grab those tickets um, so that we have reserved spots and seating for all of you. And by the way, shout out to Marshall. Remember Marshall Patterson, Remo, was always calling into the... Um, Post-game show on 1290? Of course. March is, March is going to be in town and has said he and his wife are coming wow. as well. So we'll be able to see a uh, hook up with March. Anyways, it's always just been a really fun evening. Get together, much like we did with the Gold Eyes game. Meet other folks from the WST chat, people that you see each every day. And if you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com. The link is right at the top. Click on there. Reserve your spots with those tickets. And uh Brush up on your sports trivia. I'll be curating another evening of Brain Busters for you for September 13th over at Little Brown Jug. And in the meantime, get on down to Little Brown Jug. Get all your favorites. 1919 generic lager. And uh, while supplies last, that deal they've got going on right now on that special 24 with 12 1919s, 12 generics. I think it works out to like two forty four a beer. Hell of a deal right now. But I did talk to Tanner, and they sold so much yesterday that supplies are limited. So if you want to take them up on that offer, I would get on it right now. Of course, Little Brown Jug's on William Avenue. You can find out more online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, what do we got for golf right now? BMW Championship is underway. Let's take a quick look at the leaderboard for our friends over at Breezy Bend Country Club. Maddie Fitzpatrick, Sahitha Gala, Brian Harmon, all at four under right now. Russell Henley and Rory McElroy, three under. Star-studded field, obviously, with the uh, with the final event before the tour championship. Corey Connors looking good to go to the tour championship as well. He's tied for seventh right now. Two under through four holes right now. We'll keep an eye on that today and tomorrow. Uh, Nick Taylor in the mix and Adam Svensson as well. Svensson's going to need to have a big, big week, um, big week and weekend. He finished even par for the uh, for the round. He's not right now projected to be in the top 30. Of course, if you're looking for a great long-term golfing home for you and your family, make it Breezy Bend, one of Winnipeg's top private courses. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezyben.ca. 
about getting on the waiting list for next year's season over at Breezy Bend. A big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Just had a another incredible, incredible weekend a couple weeks back. Speaking of 2024, they're booking well into 2024. Find out more information on the Aikens experience and everything that comes with the world-class fly-in fishing lodge that it is. Aikenslake.com is where you will find that. And uh, a shout-out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. They've had a really, really rough week. Two nights ago, it was the smoke that canceled live racing. And last night, I think they got through one race and then the uh, insane winds shut things down. It was deemed dangerous for uh, the horses, spectators, riders. So um, they'll get back at it on Monday. And uh, I guess a few of these horses will have a little bit extra in the tank after a couple canceled uh, nights of live racing at Assiniboia Downs. Um, but the season goes well into September. Still lots of time to take in the track as a part of Manitoba summer. Assiniboiadowns.com for more information on everything they've got going on out track. All right, let's check in with the gold eyes before we get to our cool bet lines. What a weekend it was last week. The Reggie Abercrombie celebrations and then Bark in the Park. Fish on the road this week, finishing up next week with the final week of home games. Let's find out more about what's coming up. And a great weekend last week for the gold eyes with Andrew Collier, Fish GM. Andrew, great to see you last weekend. And uh, listen, I know it hasn't been a great season, a little tougher on the diamond, but man, that sure felt like the highlight of the season last Friday with uh, honoring the great Reggie Abercrombie. It was so awesome having Reggie back and and the surprise visit by Rick Forney. Uh, the, the whole day was great. The lunch was great. You were awesome doing the interview with Reggie. I could have sat there and listened to you and Reggie talk for, for hours. It's uh, he's so much fun. He's still a kid at heart and, and he still looks good. looks like he could still play. He said he hasn't swung a bat since his last game in 2019, but wow. looks, looks like he could still play. He's uh, he's a beauty and it was so good to see him. And it, it brought back memories of those championship years in 2016 and 17. Yeah, it was, um, listen, first of all, thanks for including me. It was a, a, an honor to be a part of it. And obviously, you know, I always had a a real soft spot for Reggie. He was, um, I mean, he was just so much fun uh, as an individual. I and mean, he's truly, I mean, I said this leading into the event. I mean, one of the most colorful characters we've had in the Winnipeg sports scene for a long time. But we kind of got to see a different side of Reggie. You mentioned, and I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, I was on the other side at the table Reggie was kind of popping around, and then Rick Forney walks in. Nobody knew that he was going to be there. And, I mean, Reggie was stunned for a minute. The tears were flowing. And, and I mean, the relationship between those two guys was was very evident at that moment. And then when I asked Reggie about Rick Forney during the, uh, during the hot stove session. Yeah, that was something else. There was very few people that knew he was coming. I, I knew he was coming and, and a couple other people in the office, but... For the most part, nobody knew. So I went down and I I met him when when he arrived at at the Fairmont and and brought him in and yeah, when Reggie saw him, they both uh, there was some tears that were flowing there and that just it just showed what 
what a great relationship they had and, and still have because Reggie lives in the Baltimore area and, and Rick lives there. They still see each other in the off season and go to football games together. And it's uh yeah, it's a really special relationship. Well, and, and listen, I mean, it's been up and down for the squad on the field, but man, they, uh, they honored Reggie the way he would like it with uh, a ton of long balls. What a week for Max Murphy, who, uh, you know, was really stepped up and kind of carrying the torch that Reggie left when he retired. But that was a hell of a way to celebrate number 11 on Friday night with all those bombs. Well, with the home run king in in the park, the uh, the guys put on a show for him, knocking out five home runs and two by Max and grand slam by Symington and a single short of the cycle, which was really exciting. He had two at-bats left just to get a single and and didn't get it, but it uh, that was that was pretty exciting. I bet the uh, the folks over at Ram were uh, paying close attention to that. Isn't that isn't that the case? If the gold I hits for the cycle, it's uh, it's a Dodge Ram. Yeah, seventy five thousand dollar truck. If somebody hits for the cycle, so I'm sure there's a lot of people pulling for uh, miles to hit that single. <laughs> Holy smokes! Um, and then of course, I mean, it was probably the biggest weekend of the year for sure at the ballpark because as uh, special for the organization that Friday night was and a massive crowd to, to celebrate Reggie and his contributions here in the peg bark in the park is always one of the biggest and wildest events. And uh, the fans and the dogs came out on Saturday. It was awesome. And we've done this for a number of years, as you know, but this seemed to be the smoothest from people and their dogs entering the park and, and the dogs being well-behaved and, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. We had over 400 dogs here, and, and uh, nobody got bit. There's uh, no dog fights that I'm aware of. It, uh, it went great. Uh, I just have to ask you, from a logistics standpoint in the organization, how different is the Bark in the Park game than uh, a regular game? How much extra planning, uh, logistics go into that game as opposed to the rest of the season? It's a ton of extra work because everybody has to sign a waiver that their their dogs have all their shots and we have a separate entrance for everybody to come in. Kudos to the staff here. They just put in so much work putting out um, uh, waiting pools for dogs to, to have a drink or, or go for a little dip if they want. Uh, we put out sod in the uh, out by the, the uh, playground for dogs to do their thing and the cleaning staff to clean up after them and the uh the pooch parade that goes on in the outfield it's 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 a ton of work and and the staff here always uh come through and do a great job well uh, andrew uh not done yet and listen the team is still in the mix i mean with the expanded playoff format i mean uh you know there's still a lot of work to go uh, but you know with what 18 games left on the season the time is now for the fellas to get on a bit of a heater if they want to, uh, you know, scrape into the postseason. Yeah, we just need to string a bunch of wins together. And last night we lost in the bottom of the ninth. And I was just looking at our record in in one run games, and I think we're eight and fifteen. So you look, you look at that, you flip that script, and and we'd be in a playoff spot right now. But ifs and buts and and all that, but. We've had some great standout performances, like we talked about with Max Murphy. He's leading the league with 25 home runs. Everybody's worried about him coming back after that awful injury last year, and that just says 
a lot about his character and 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 what he did in the off season to get ready for this season. He who knows he could be back to back player of the year. Twenty five home runs, first seventy seven RBIs in first, um, and then Dason Cruz, a rookie third baseman, he's third in the league he's and been hit, awesome hitting three fifty seven as a rookie playing third base every day, playing a great third base defensively. It's uh, so there have been some bright spots this year for sure. Where'd you guys find him? Uh, Greg found him out of a, a college in, in the U S he finished his four years at, at Quincy state, I believe it is. And, uh, he's originally from Aruba and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's been great. Uh, one of the definite bright lights of this season so far. Um, so the team comes back for one more big homestand next week, and obviously it'll be important to win the win the games. But there's also lots going on. Uh, our friend, the French community, gets to to do it up on the 22nd with the soiree francophone. And uh, will you be putting on a special outfit for the dance party on August 24th? Will will the general manager be featured in any dance numbers? Maybe with the entire staff out at uh, break in between innings. Well, you're going to have to buy a ticket and come and find out. You never know. There might be uh, some bell-bottom pants going on. Who knows? We'll see uh, We'll see what Dan has planned for me that day. Now, um, the uh, two big nights at the end, the uh, August the 25th fan appreciation night with fireworks and then uh, the final game of the season, the photo giveaway and the on-field autograph session. Uh, you know, we know the connection that the team has with the fan base. That final weekend at home is always a big one. Uh, just fill us in on what you guys have planned to uh, finish up the 2023 campaign. Yeah, it all gets going on Monday. Uh, unfortunately, the original shirt off our backs night was rained out. That's our only rain out so far this season. Um, so that's been rescheduled for Monday night. Shirt off our backs uh, right off the players' backs, one every inning. Uh, like you said, the 25th. Fan appreciation night. That's where we get to let the fans know how much we think of them and and their support every year. Uh, fireworks that night, the last fireworks show of the year, and every fireworks show is is spectacular. And going back to that August 11th game, it was nice to see fireworks during when it was dark instead of during daylight, which we've had. Uh, we've talked about this before with the pitch clock and. Game's going so quickly. We've had a few fireworks today when the uh, the sun was still out, so it was nice to see fireworks in the dark. No doubt about that. Well, and I mean, listen, I mean, I get you know, at the end of the season, we'll kind of look back at this year, um, you know, with the rules as well. But I mean, the Tuesday night where I came to to meet you uh, ahead of the event with Reggie, that game was like two hours and five minutes. I, I mean, certainly the fastest Gold Eyes game I have ever been to, and. You know, I know there was a time a few years back where sometimes the games got pretty long and we were pushing 315, but, I mean, it has swung right back to the other side. Maybe we need the pitch clock to be a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, when you have two good pitchers on the mound that are throwing strikes and keeping their walks down and, and the runs are down, yeah, you're going to get the uh, the two-hour, 210, 215 games. Well, Andrew, listen, uh, again, thanks again for uh, including us and myself for uh, the uh, Reggie Gabercrombie event last week. Uh, We'll hope the team can uh, get a few wins to finish up this road trip and get hot at home and stay in the playoff race. We'll look forward to seeing you next week at the ballpark and uh, talk to you next week before Fan Appreciation Night and the final weekend of the regular season at Shaw Park. 
Sounds great. Great talking to you. All right, good stuff with Andrew Collier. And, uh, yeah, one more week and a big weekend, not this weekend, but the following weekend, fan appreciation and uh, the final games of the regular season. Um, let's quickly get to the cool bet lines. Uh, tonight, CFL Week 11 begins. And the Edmonton Elks are in Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats, the Elks five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Weird. I'm taking Edmonton. I think this game is going to be close. Hamilton's not very good. Obviously, Edmonton isn't either. Trey Ford did win his start in Hamilton last year. And Dusty, I'm not even sure that the money line, this could be the night where the Elks get a win. Obviously, it's not at home. So that's one place where they have at least won in the last four years. But albeit two struggling teams, an interesting matchup tonight. Tomorrow... Bomber numbers down to four and a half. Now that Drew Brown's officially starting. So Bombers four and a half point favorites in Calgary. Uh, you got Montreal and Ottawa. It's a real tough one to me. Uh, minus two and a half for Montreal. Plus two and a half for the Ottawa Red Blacks. That's the Saturday game. And then Sunday night, <laughs> the Riders nine and a half point home dogs to the British Columbia Lions. Which brings us to our lock shop partner parlay. We cranked this one out today. Elks plus five and a half. Bombers minus four and a half. Lions minus nine and a half. They juiced it up to plus 640 for us. So you got to get on that before kickoff tonight. That's up right now in the exclusive tabs over at CoolBet. While you're there, uh, there are so many NFL futures up to to check out and uh and a, a bunch of nfl preseason games going on that uh, as they say would not recommend a lot of preseason betting but um taking a bunch of unders actually maybe the unders we'll just go through a flurry of unders because the quality of play in the preseason especially as the starters are held out sometimes well certainly not what we expect in the uh, in the regular season it's all there at cool bet women's world cup cfl major league baseball we'll finish it up with uh, a very quiet night in the majors tonight uh, no blue jays tonight i thought the jays i guess that was just a short two gamer with the phillies we'll get back at it tomorrow mariners and royals on the field right now tigers guardians tigers minus 133 favorites in cleveland Mets, how are the Mets favorite against anyone? Minus 118 favorites against the Cardinals. Holy smokes, the cards must be brutal right now. Plus 104. Padres and D-backs, pick them. And the Dodgers minus 49 against the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, get on over to CoolBet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Perfect time to do that is just heading in to NFL season. Um, Remus, what, what do you think? Elks get a win tonight finally after all the no. turbulence of this uh, this week? No, I don't think so. Uh, they'll find a way to screw it up, take too many penalties or do something dumb, uh, what, not bring the ball out of the end zone. Whatever way you want to find it, I'm not taking it. Maybe they'll cover. I think it's possible they cover, but I don't think they're going to win. <laughs> I think they might. I think they might. It's going to be a tight one, though. Although I kind of want them to lose because, you know, I'm big on 
history. Has that ever happened? 0-18. 0-18 is still on the table right now. No, but I think Hamilton was 1-17. So the Ticats can, you know, hopefully play a big part in erasing their own record with a uh, with a win tonight. Um, speaking of football, tomorrow bombing's going to join us. Of course, we're going to Hooters night tomorrow night for that official bomber watch party brought to you by Coors Light. And uh, we're also going to have Hacksaw for the latest around the National Football League. Ken Weeb will jump on the program. Um, so it should be a fun one to get into uh, into the week. But, uh, Remo, I guess we're going to fire oh. up a WST raid right about now because mm-hmm. I think bombing and, and Walby, uh, my fingers are crossed that Walby might be one of the alumni coming for the game tomorrow night. And hopefully, okay, we, we do have an update on Jonathan Taves, actually. He's, oh. got, he's got another Instagram post. Show us to Donnie Boy in chat. Um, he says, I'd like to announce I'm not fully retiring, but I am taking time away from the game this season. I cannot deny my love for the game of hockey and still feel the passion for competing at my highest level. However, these last few seasons have been very difficult considering my health challenges. My focus is to give myself the time and space to fully heal and enjoy life to the fullest once again. Along the way, I've met several people who have struggled with health issues pertaining to long COVID, chronic immune response syndrome, and other similar cases that are quite complex. I now recognize the importance of one day sharing the details of my health journey with you all. Thank you to all of you who have supported me and respected my privacy in the process. So I think Scott... I think Scott suggested that was a possibility, taking time off for that reason. And I guess all the speculation that we had about him signing with Florida or the Jets, not going to happen. But you you wonder if, I mean, maybe the trade deadline or something. I don't know. I I mean, this this all has to do with his health, and health is first. Um, You know, this guy doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. He's made, what was it, 115 million bucks. I mean... He'll come back when he is ready to and when he wants to and feels that he's able to, and that is not now. So uh, I guess we won't be talking about a Tave signing in the next couple days as um, was one of the possibilities. But nice that there's a little bit more clarity on that after the uh, message to the uh, the folks in Chicago. Um, Stick around. We're going to raid Bonfire, Bombing, Walby, getting you ready for tomorrow's game. Join us tomorrow. We'll uh, get ready for the game, and tomorrow night we'll drop some marbles. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks to everyone that joined us today. Thanks to everyone listening on the podcast. Thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. And don't forget, September 13th, Sports Trivia Night 3 at Little Brown Jug. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com for the link to reserve your tickets. And uh, hopefully see you tomorrow night for that official Bomber Watch Party over at Hooters. Have a great night, everyone. And uh, go say hi to Bombing and Walby with a YouTube raid on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.